0: But to begin with, the men heard nothing. After a while, Svein said, "'These trows are getting sluggish. "'We'll catch our death of cold standing here all night.' And Gisli said, "'This field of yours, Eirik, is really very bumpy. "'We should do you a favour and till it for you, once we've killed the trows.' Just then they heard a faint, persistent noise, a scratchy sort of hum.' It came from underground and all around them. That's good," Svein said. "I was getting bored. While they had been waiting, the moon had come out. All across the field, they could see the nettles and tussocks shaking as the trows passed beneath them, tearing through the soil. Soon, every inch of ground was settling and shifting back and forth as if it were water. Then Gisli said. That's one job we don't have to do, after all. Eirik's field is going to be nicely tilled before the night's over. But that was one comment too many for Gisli. Just as he spoke, the ground at his feet exploded with a shower of earth, and a trow rose out, grabbed him by the neck with its long, thin hands, and pulled him down onto his knees in the mud of the field. Then it bit his throat out. Gisli was so surprised, he didn't say anything. With this, the moon went behind a cloud, and the men were blinded. And all at once, the sound of digging rose from a hum, to a mutter, to a roar. And all along the base of the tilted rock, the trows burst forth, spattering the men with soil and reaching with their clasping fingers. Svein and the rest stepped back a little way up the rock, for they knew that Trouser weakened when they no longer touched the earth, and soon they heard the claws clicking on the stone. Then, blinded as they were, they swung their swords mightily and had the satisfaction of hearing several heads go bouncing down the rock— But as the dead trows fell, still more came pressing behind them, snapping their teeth and stretching out their thin, thin arms. Little by little, the line drew back up the slope, fighting all the way. The sides of that rock are steep and cliff-like, yet the trows clambered up them even so. The hero, Guest, who was standing at one end of the line, stepped too close to the edge. The Trows grasped his ankle and pulled him off, down into the boiling horde. He wasn't seen again. By now, the remaining ten were weary, and most of them were wounded. They had retreated almost to the top of the rock, but still the trows pressed at them, teeth snapping, claws slashing, crooning with hunger. "'Now!' "'Svein said. "'It would be pleasant to have a little light, "'if only so we could wake up and fight properly. "'I've been dozing all this time, and the rest has done me good.' "'Even as he spoke, the moon came out at last from behind the clouds "'and shone harshly on the scene. "'It did so as if in answer to Svein's words, "'which is why, to this day, we of his line all wear clothes of silver and black.' And in that first flash of moonlight, all was revealed. The great rock rising, its slope choked black with the bodies of the trows; The field itself, a waste of pits and holes through which the enemy still came. The summit of the rock, not ten paces from the precipice, where ten bloodied men still held their ground. "'Friends,' Svein said then, It is midsummer. The night will not last forever. And with that, all ten gave a great cry and redoubled their efforts joyfully, and not one of them took another step back towards the edge of that cliff. Dawn came. The sun rose over the sea, and with the light the people of the nearby house unlocked the gates and ventured into the fields. When they got to the base of the rock, they found the trow's bodies piled there like chaff. Then they looked up and seemed to see twelve men standing high above them on the rock, though the dawn rays shone so strongly along the valley that it was hard to be sure. So they climbed up eagerly, only to find, right at the very top, ten dead men lying slumped together in a line.